All right, this is uh, True News 365 once again, and today I want to talk about assurance of salvation. Okay, oftentimes uh, we get to this topic of assurance of salvation uh, by many means, but um, uh, oftentimes people like to talk about once saved, always saved, and I don't like I don't want to talk about once saved, always saved because it brings a lot of baggage. Some people cannot get past. Um, a traditional view or a modern view of what that is a lot of preachers have have um put a bad taste in people's mouths now with with one saved understanding one saved always saved what it really means at least for me and at least what i what i see in scripture is the assurance of salvation okay this is strictly about god's sovereignty and the power to save as per um isaiah 19 20 and Isaiah 45:20, where we know that there is a savior. God is a savior, right? A savior from what? A savior that he has promised. Okay, we see this all over scripture. Okay. Okay, there are people that say that no, you can't, you can lose your salvation. Okay. And um uh I think that is extremely wrong. Not only not, not only is it wrong. But it's also very dangerous for one's walk in Christ. It doesn't add just rocks to your road. I think it adds boulders to your walk in Christ. Okay, if you can't have assurance of salvation, then we're we're no different than the idolaters and those with false gods like the Muslims, Catholics, Jehovah's Witnesses, etc., who whose God has uh, their their gods have no power to save and didn't come in any assurance with a, an eternal plan of salvation. As it says, that God had from the before the foundation of the world, right? Um, if you truly believe that God had this plan of salvation, which it clearly states all over Scripture, then you know those who those who are saved are part of that plan. Also, uh, what's one basic concept in the gospel? You know that you can't have if you don't believe in assurance of salvation. Okay, you can't have hope of all things. Hope, one of the greatest things that we all need in this life is hope. But you can't have that if you don't have assurance of salvation. People, it almost seems like if they literally vote themselves out of hope. Okay, you have no hope that you're even saved if you can't believe in assurance of salvation. Let's, let's put it like that. How is the gospel, the gospel good news? If it's dependent upon fallible man, meaning us, to hold us up and keep us saved. How does that work? It has been said if we can lose our salvation, we would lose our salvation every single day because it's by God's power that we're saved, not by our power. We're fallible, we're fallen. The language of the scriptures are that God has no, to resurrect us unto life. He has to do that. We can't resurrect ourselves. Okay, we're dead in trespasses and sins. We need him to reach out and and save us and pick us up and quicken us up. Okay? And so salvation is only by God and our justification is only by God and our glorification is only by God. It's all God. We can walk the earth knowing we're saved and trusting in God because he said it is finished. What is finished? The plan from before the beginning of the earth when before the earth was formed okay 
There are those who somehow believe that they can reach a level of inability to, to fall in motive through thought, word, and deed as Christ lived the earth. But yet somehow they can't ever have assurance of salvation. Okay, so what does this mean? This means that they strip the power of God to keep them saved, but elevate their human power to keep from slipping. That is a contradiction and one that can't know the power of God. The Lord said, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. James said, believe with faith that you have received. Jesus says, be believing and not unbelieving. That's what justification is all about. The author of the book of Hebrews goes to great lengths to discuss the importance of believing the faith of those in the old covenant and how without faith it is impossible to please God. Okay, sorry about that. Um, yeah, so one of the main themes in the Bible is that we are to have faith. The just shall live by faith. Faith is the greatest aspect of our sanctification. The Old Testament says God is mighty to save. Lack of assurance says, I don't believe God is mighty to save. The only time a person should doubt their salvation is when they're not in Christ. If you consider yourself still in Adam, then of course you're going to question your salvation. When they're walking in sin, in the flesh and not in the spirit, that person has every right to doubt their salvation, but not the person who is crucifying their flesh and putting their deeds of the body to death daily. But if you can say, I do believe in Christ as Lord, then having no assurance means you're not believing he could save. It means you're walking in the flesh, you're more into the world than you're kingdom minded. That's where a lack of assurance should exist, not in the person who is trusting in Christ daily. Those who have a man-centered salvation rather than a God-centered salvation have a poor understanding concerning justification in Christ. How are we to live in a pure hope unless we truly believe that we're justified by what he has done rather than what we are doing. That's a works righteousness religion some people are in and some don't even know they're in it. Okay? So if there is no assurance of salvation because we're depending upon our own strength or our own good works, because that's what we're ultimately talking about, getting up every morning, trying to control our every, every, like every waking thought to make sure it doesn't veer even a centimeter off of holiness or else, whoops, we're talking our motives, our attitudes, our experiences within all levels of our sanctification, everything to the bottom core of our being must be exact and on point. If not, then then we're we're probably not saved is that is that the uh the question here that doesn't sound like rust to me folks that sounds like we're still living under the law in the old testament the concept of the law living or written in our hearts and minds as per hebrews 
8.10 and 10 verse 16, especially, referring back to Jeremiah 31 verse 33, means that we'll commit to them, we'll commit to them out of our love and worship back to God, not out of ceremony or, or ordinance, as the formal law required. This is the new covenant, no longer law, but grace. No longer law, but grace. That's what it's, That's what this means. This doesn't mean ignore the law, hate the law. This means even more. It means like what, like what David said. So, Again, this doesn't mean to ignore or hate the law. It doesn't mean to forsake it. It means more than that. It means, uh, I compare it to where it says, uh, David said, oh, how I love your law. The law is in our hearts and minds to do them out of a genuine desire to do them. Just like when Jesus, um, he gave us a standard of giving. He says, give hilariously, give with joy out of a pure heart. That's the attitude God expects when you do not only give thanksgiving, but also you give, you do your works. Okay, the concept of the law being written on stone was about keeping rules. And that's why when David said, oh, how I love your law, it said that David was of God's own heart, a man of God's own heart. It was, it, it was heart led and not rules led, so to speak. Jesus, after that, said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You say you love me, but you don't do what I tell you, which is saying the same thing. This is what the Lord spoke about when he called the people out of the religiousness of the, Pharisee, uh, of the Pharisees. In Matthew 11, 28 through 30, we read, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He was speaking against the yoke of the legalism coming from the Pharisees' religion of needing to keep the law. First, because they're mishandling or misleading Israel by not knowing true salvation because they didn't truly know God through Christ because of the Old Testament uh, the Old Testament system in general no longer grace or rather no longer law but grace okay so the Lord is speaking here of that rest Christ is offering that rest he came to give rest he's not talking about legal requirements like that of the Old Testament system the religious leaders added to the people's burdens and by forgetting the heart of the law, they added to the law. This is why Jesus is our rest. In the absence of a legal Sabbath requirement found in the New Test, the New Covenant system, and where it clearly teaches, let no one hold you to those things. And like in Colossians chapter two, where it mentions that. Um, in Hebrews four, we see the mention of the seventh day and how it aligns to God's rest and faith. In Christ aligns to man's rest but then that's for another podcast so I really don't want to get too deep into that 
Um, what needs to be seen here is that Christ came to bring the truth of salvation and our faith in that salvation is where we derive our hope and joy. And so not having that assurance of salvation in Christ's work on the cross on behalf of, of all of us leads to no rest and no joy in that lack of assurance. Not to have that assurance is counter to Christ's finished work and opposite of the faith. So when the Bible says, those who persevere to the end will be saved, obviously, what do you think is needed in order to feel the saints through that race, through that, through that, that ongoing rest, or rather that ongoing race that we're in, in this, throughout the course of this life? We it's faith, faith in what you ask, faith in Christ's finished work, in the assurance that he's done what he said he's, 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 he's done, and that is having assurance. Assurance comes purely through faith. Assurance is a byproduct of faith. It's a legalist, uh, legalistic, gross misunderstanding of our joy and faith that says it's by works that we're going to persevere. Okay? In Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the certainty of things hoped for and proof of things not seen. For by it, the people of old gained approval. Okay? It says faith is the certainty of things hoped for. Proof of things not seen. Okay? The operative words here are certainty and proof. So whenever someone asks you, What's your proof of God? You can answer them, my faith is my certainty. So again, if we have faith, we have certainty. And certainty is assurance of salvation. If the Bible says in Ephesians 2.10 that God has already saved us unto good works, that we should walk in them, then he has already supplied us with what we need to finish that race as in 2 Peter 1.3, if God is said to be the source by which we move and have our being, as in Acts 17.28, sorry about that, then, then in him, we have the law written in our hearts. We have the Holy Spirit as an earnest proof of our salvation, that which confirms us that we are His. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. The Holy Spirit being the seal of the promise. Okay? Okay, so there are so many scriptures that demonstrates our assurance that we are His and we are in His hands and that we can have the faith that nothing can pluck us out. To live thinking that we can lose our salvation is more than adding rocks to your road. It's adding boulders to your road. If you can't have true faith, you can't have true rest. And that's what Jesus came to give us. And it's, it is in this truth that we rest our faith, knowing that like Paul said in Romans 8, 37 through 39, Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But in all these things, we are overwhelmed, overwhelmingly conquer 
through him who loved us. Let me let me read that again. Okay, this is uh, Romans eight thirty seven through thirty nine. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor death no nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. Jesus our Lord it says nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor principalities nothing nothing can separate us from the love of God okay so if you have faith you are a conqueror in Christ and nothing will get in the way of that nothing in this life nothing in darkness can separate us Paul goes to great lengths to con con um to show us okay and none of the if these things can't separate you it's assumed you're continuing in faith you're in Christ you have the Holy Spirit okay God is the one who upholds you God isn't an Indian giver pardon that for lack of reference he's not playing a game of tag you know you're it you're saved now you're not saved especially when He's the one who saves you. You don't save yourselves, okay? We don't save ourselves. All of this confusion comes from the fallibility and the propensity in men's hearts that says that man saves himself. Man has a free will that God can't override. That's nonsense and false doctrine. You have to get past that. Most people who believe this have poor views of their own fallibility they have a poor view of God's sovereignty. They don't understand justification and other important biblical teachings seen in scripture. God is greater than man keeps making him. Man wants to make God in man's image instead of the other way around. We are made in his image. God is sovereign over it all. Now let's go through some scriptures that have been used improperly to argue against the surety of salvation. I, I heard one person uh, referencing first Chronicles 28 9 as for you my son Solomon know the God of your father and serve him wholeheartedly and with a willing mind for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts if you seek him you will let he will let you find him but if you forsake him he will reject you we see this also in the New Testament okay where it says if you forsake him he'll forsake you as well this is nothing new there are a number of things here that would trip somebody, right? First, we know that Solomon was a huge Old Testament figure. And from our reference point, we believe Solomon was favored by God. For he was, however, that's from our reference point, reading the scriptures thousands of years later. From Solomon's vantage point, his true and real existence and walk with God, he's called a son as a creation of God, including angels, sons of God, etc. So the reference sons of God, especially in the Old Testament, is not a big deal. It means a creation of God. He calls the angels sons of God all the time. Okay, but we know that Solomon sinned against God and wasn't perfect. 
right? You know, he was, he was just a, a regular man. The ad, admi, admonition that God gave Solomon isn't any different than what he gives anyone who is following God's ways. It's universal knowledge that if we turn our backs on God, he will turn his back on us. Therefore, demonstrating that we were never truly saved. Okay, Solomon wasn't any more special than we are as saints. The only distinction is whether we are saved. For the narrative of this Old Testament reference, it's an admonition to Solomon to stay true to God as would be expected towards anyone else. In reference to that time, that's how we are to read it. He's just like anyone else, not superhuman, and needed to live by faith just like us today. The only thing is that now we can re read his account and see the big picture in the narrative, but it's no different than the narrative of our daily lives today and our walk with God. And that admonition should be on us as well. Walk truly with God and stand firm in the faith or else you're an ain't and not a saint. This also go to Colossians 1 verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard which is proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I Paul was made a minister this is a parallel to John 15 abiding in the vine and 1st John 2 9 that says they went out from us but they were not really of us for if they had been of us they would have remained with us but they went out so that it would be evident that they were they, they all are not of us that's all it's saying. The person who loves God and his people will stick around to the end. That's all it's saying. Okay? <clears throat> Imagine maybe they'll backslide, but they will come back. Just like the parable that God used, you know, of a father and a son, and the son comes back. Okay? It's not saying anything about them losing the Holy Spirit or the seal of their salvation, but that they left, which proves that they were never truly saved or sealed by the Holy Spirit. Just like anyone walking in sin, they demonstrate they're not truly saved. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 through 2. Another one that was used. Okay, now I make known to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel which I preach to you, which you also received, and which you also stand, by which you are, you also are saved. If, if you hold firmly, hold firmly, as in let go. To the word which I preach to you, unless, operative word unless, you believe in vain, okay? Meaning unless you didn't truly believe or to no use to you or illegitimately, okay? That's all it's saying. It's saying if you don't hold on, you're like the guy in John, 5, uh, one, in, uh, John 15, you didn't abide, you left, and what happened eventually? You were not a real, you were, you were not a real, um, uh, Okay, you were not a real Christian, and so you ended up getting burned. Okay, you end up getting being lost, right? That's all it's saying here again. Nothing in here tells you that God saves the person and then unsaves them. Okay, again, this does not speak against losing one's salvation. Let's go to 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. Mm -hmm. But the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to the deceitful spirits and teachings of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience. Paul says that the Spirit is revealing that in the later times some will fall away from their professions of faith because they started paying, them, paying, 
paying mind to demonic lies and false teachings by the means of false believers. We see that today. People are falling for false believing uh, beliefs. They're coming from even within the church, from the, from the professed believers, and many are becoming apostates, right? So the faith is only as, remember, uh, the, the word apostate means that the person stops walking in a certain direction. It doesn't mean that the person, you know, was indwelt by the Holy Spirit and they took out the Holy Spirit from them and they cast it out or God took it away from them, whatever. That's not what it means. It means no longer following, okay? No longer a disciple, okay? The faith is only as real as how it's lived, okay? Until then, it's just a profession. So when it says someone fell from the faith, it's basically stating someone went against their profession. It doesn't mean God took away a salvation that he had given to them. But this, again, means exactly what it says. They fall from faith. If you're not walking by faith, what happens? You don't truly believe. And it's by faith that we're saved. But that faith has to come from God, not from man. If it's a man-derived faith, you'll fall. If it's a God-derived faith, you won't abandon it because it's it'll be real. But the only way to know if it's real is if you stick to the very end. That's all the scriptures are saying. It's demonstrating nothing more than there are tares among the wheat, wolves among the flock, nothing more. We know that to be true. Please, I got to hold, I got to pause. Okay, so it's demonstrating nothing more that there are tares among the wheat. That's all it is. Do you know that do we know that this is happening? Please stand by. Okay, so it's demonstrating nothing more than uh you know than that there are tares among the wheat. There are wolves among the flock. We can't identify the wolves as being truly safe, can we? I don't know anyone who would want to do that. Okay, like we do know that fake Christians exist, right? We know that they go to church. We know that they're hypocrites, right? We all know that. So then why would they, why why do sometimes people say, well, they're hypocrites, they're not truly Christian, <clears throat> but then other times they want to they call them true Christians. So you can't have it both ways. And the Bible, it doesn't go both ways. The Bible says that there are those who are saved, they're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, that are truly marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit, and those who are not. Okay? There are ways to, to for us ourselves to know that we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. If we're growing, we're loving the brethren, we're loving God more and more, if we continue on, those are the proofs that we can demonstrate to ourselves that we're still in the faith. And then there's signs that people, that man will know that we uh, are truly Christian and that is by loving by the love by the love that we carry the love we have for each other and for the, our neighbor you see what I'm saying those things also reveal to the world so there is true assurance okay let's go to Revelation 3 he's talking about the church okay this is in reference to the dying church a liberalized church a church or congregation which is Blackslidden and once made a confession of faith, but is now living according to that, to, and not living according to that profession within it. Within it, the message says that there are a few who ha have not blemished 
their garments, but God calls out the congregation as a whole to repent or else judgment comes. The final reference invitation to the Lord standing at the door and knocking, calling them to open up so that he might indwell them legitimately. For a true conversion, as opposed to just a profession, is calling out for truth versus falsehood. This does not suggest anything other than, just like today, we have churches who are lukewarm, started out in a positive profession. Okay, remember, a profession is just a profession. Just like many in Jesus' day who believed, then fell away. They partook in the truth, but then, like the parable of the soils, truth wasn't grounded in in the good soil, so, you know, it gets choked out, blown away, okay, as the parable states. It's not talking about the indwelling or sealing of the Holy Spirit, but dealing within the lives of people and the admonishing to continue in that walk rightly in Christ. This same message goes out to us. If we fall away, if we don't live in accordance to our profession, then like the other verse, we believed in vain, in vain meaning we didn't truly believe. True belief and saving faith is knowing that you can't sit at your living room to watch the game because you suspect a strong possibility that your roof might cave in after yesterday's strong rainstorm. Okay? True belief is action. True faith demonstrates in action, just like James spoke on faith and works. Okay? Believing in the assurance of salvation does not equal to becoming lazy in Christ or produce an antinomian attitude or, or carelessness to sin among true Christians. It's a category error when people bring this up to say this because the assurance of salvation is about the rest and the faith in God's finished work. And it frees you up to live and work in Christ without the anxiousness of living under the law and thinking that you have to work for your salvation. For those who are truly saved, they do and everything they do is for Christ and in the appreciation of that finished work. You do what you do because you love to do what you do. Immediately, if you have the attitude that you can know that you can now sin freely uh, because God will forgive you no matter what, that's the immediate sign you're not saved. That's the opposite of what we're talking about with regard to assurance. And Paul spoke adamantly about this in Romans 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Far from it. God forbid, he says in another uh, translation. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Being happy to sin is not a biblical characteristic of the saved and regenerated sin, uh, saint, despite what some legalists say. So using the doctrines of assurance to accuse the Christians true Christians of wanting to sin is a straw man argument and very dishonest. But to argue that the Christian has no assurance of salvation is to question God's sovereignty to his power to save. The promises that were offered from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There's a lot that needs to be overlooked and rejected if we say we can lose our salvation. Ultimately, it makes man more powerful than God. How does one think that they can thwart the judgment and plans of God? It's ridiculous to think this way. What is to fuel our fight and struggles on the earth, if not to then find ourselves relying on our own powers for justification, regeneration, salvation, and perseverance to the end? Yet the Bible is filled with promises that Scripture 
uh, should put us at rest, not to hate God and live sinful like the world, but the opposite, like someone who loves God in obedience to him. Okay. Okay. There, there are other many scriptures that I could use in reference uh, to this assurance that we can have in salvation. Okay. Um, I mean, I think most people would rather believe that you can have assurance of salvation. Okay. Let's look at uh, Proverbs 14, 26. The fear of the Lord is the strong confidence and his children will have refuge. Okay. Strong confidence, y'all. Ephesians 3.11, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, his eternal purpose. You don't think he's going to, uh, he's going to do his eternal purpose or accomplish it in whom we have boldness and access and confidence to our faith in him. We can have boldness and confidence in him. Luke 1, 4, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. Ephesians 1, 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he set forth in him. These are all mission statements that he has, that he's going to get things done. John 17, 3 to 4. Now this is eternal life that they may know you the only true god and in jesus christ you have sent have glorified you and earth accomplishing the work you gave me so you may know god and many many more there are many more to tackle on this subject but uh but i'll leave it here and perhaps god willing i can pick it up some other time the word of god teaches freedom in christ galatians 5 1. it was for freedom that christ set us free therefore keep standing firm again keep standing firm and do not be subject to the yoke of slavery stand firm if you don't stand firm you fall into slavery that's basically it that's the admonition here in context the apostle is speaking direct reference to legalism the legalism of the pharisees who wanted to bring them back to the yoke of bondage of certain doctrines of works which like today god has set us free from and there are many yokes believers put on themselves but having a better understanding of scripture frees us from those things even today but even here it says keep standing firm in, these, in, in this information so that you won't fall back into slavery. That could apply to sin in general, not just to the more specific contextual uh, historical issues at hand. We must stand firm or else we demonstrate not that God took back his salvation from us, but that we ain't saints and never truly were. So thanks for listening. God bless you. And until next time, seek his face daily. This is True News 365. God bless. Take care. I love you. Thanks again for listening to True News 365. Check out truenews365.com for more podcasts, blogs, resources, commentary. Check me out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, IG, Telegram. I'm all over the place. And until next time, let's keep the faith moving forward and ignite the power of truth with the word of God to our neighbors and the rest of the world in Christ's name. God bless.